Okay, in this session I'd like to show a couple of examples of the reliability and historicity of the New Testament, the dates, and a couple of the incidents and, and especially the existence of Jesus Christ. Over time, especially the last two or three hundred years, there have been liberal scholars and skeptics of the Bible that have even presumed to doubt the historicity of Jesus of Nazareth. They have said that it, there is very little evidence that he actually existed. However, there is ample evidence that he existed, not only in the New Testament, which is itself an independent witness to the existence of Jesus of Nazareth. People look at the New Testament as just one document or one witness, when actually that's not the case. We have the witness of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul. We have the witness of Peter. We have these various independent witnesses explaining that they believe in the events related to the existence of Jesus of Nazareth, who lived perfectly, performed miracles, helped people, loved people, died on the cross, was buried under Pontius Pilate, and then rose from the dead three days later, and then appeared to his disciples and ascended into heaven. This is all in the New Testament by many witnesses, several witnesses. So either these witnesses are to be trusted or the modern skeptic is to be trusted who was not there. Now, the dates of these books is one of the issues in relation to the reliability of what is being recorded. Let me address that in reference to the book of Luke and Acts. Because in Luke chapter 1, Luke purports to have studied this, investigated this, and then recorded all of these events accurately and correctly. So we have to either believe what Luke says or believe what someone else says today who was not there. Luke chapter 1, verse 1. Luke 1, 1. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word have handed them down to us. It seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that you might know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. Here, Luke is saying that many have undertaken an account, eyewitness accounts, but he also says that he also thought it was fitting for him to write an account, having first investigated everything carefully from the beginning in order to write it out in sequential order. And he wants Theophilus, the recipient of this book, to know the exact truth about the things which he had been taught. This is his purpose in writing. So he's not writing for the purpose of fabrication. He's writing for the purpose of vindication and verification. He wants to establish the veracity of what he's saying, and he's claiming to have done so meticulously, an avid researcher into all of these events related to the life and ministry of Christ and also his apostles. Look at the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 and the book of Acts is actually a sequel to the book of Luke, written by Luke himself. 
And according to Colossians chapter 4, Luke was a physician. He was a, physi a physician, so he was concerned about carefulness and detail and research. So Acts chapter 1 says, The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. He addresses this book also to Theophilus. And he reminds Theophilus that he has his first account, which is the book of Luke, which we call the book of Luke. And now he's writing this book of the Acts of the Apostles. And he reminds him that Christ died and rose again and displayed himself, manifested himself to his disciples over a period of 40 days. Well, at the end of the book of Acts, it records that the Apostle Paul, he arrives in Rome and he is in house arrest, Acts chapter 28, he is in house arrest for two years, two full years. It says in 2830, and he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him. This is the Apostle Paul. He is awaiting a trial. He's awaiting to be presented before Caesar, before Nero. And he is waiting for that because he had appealed to the Caesar because the Jews were unjustly accusing him and he had no other recourse but to appeal to a higher authority. So he appeals to Caesar, he arrives in Rome, and it says he was there in house arrest for two full years. It does not record what happened after this, but we know from church history that he was executed under the emperor Nero about AD 66 or 67, no later than AD 68, around that time. So the book of Acts, it had to be written before that execution because if he were executed and, and Luke had finished writing it by that point, he would have certainly recorded that, but he did not record it, which means that the book of Acts and the book of Luke had to have been written by about A.D. 63 or 64, no later than A.D. 65. About that time, because he was there, Paul and Luke were there together in Rome. And by the way, to prove that even Luke was there in Rome, look at Acts 28.16. Acts 28.16. And when we entered Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who was guarding him. He says we. From chapter 16 through chapter 28, in several of these passages, Luke says we because Luke was traveling with Paul. He was traveling with Paul. Okay, well, let's look at an example of what Luke predicts, which actually did happen in AD 70. AD 70, from Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. 21, 20. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that her desolation is at hand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. 
mountains and let those who are in the midst of the city depart and let not those who are in the country enter the city because these are days of vengeance in order that all things which are written may be fulfilled. Woe to those who are with child and to those who nurse babes in those days for there will be great distress upon the land and wrath to this people and they will fall by the edge of the sword and will be led captive into all the nations and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke is recording his words and Christ predicts that Jerusalem will be destroyed. The people will be exiled, they will be dispersed. And this event actually occurred in AD 70, as predicted in AD 70, the temple was destroyed, Jerusalem was destroyed, and the Jewish people were dispersed and exiled, and many of them were massacred. This actually did happen. Now, a word about the existence of Jesus Christ. Not only does the Bible have ample evidence of that by many witnesses, but outside of the Bible, by unbelievers. One unbeliever is a man, a historian named Josephus. He wrote a chronicle of the history of the Jewish people called the Antiquities of the Jews. And in there, he mentions the existence and ministry of John the Baptist. And he also mentions the ministry of Jesus of Nazareth. He mentions that and he says that he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, which is also what um, many skeptics doubted, that Pontius Pilate ever was the governor of Judea at that time. But Josephus is one unbelieving Jew writing a history, mentions the existence of John and Jesus and that Jesus performed miracles and that his disciples uh, were growing and they claimed that he had risen from the dead, things like that. Another example from a Jewish source is from the period of Judaism from AD 70 to 200, known as the Tanaic period. And in that period, they also acknowledge the existence of Jesus, but they call him a, a magic worker, one who had illicit and demonic powers to perform miracles, and they claim that Jesus was not born of a virgin, but he had an illegitimate birth. They're not doubting the existence of Christ. They are near the existence or contemporaries of Christ, certainly of the apostles, the apostle John, for example, who died in AD 95. They're not denying Jesus' existence. They're just explaining away, rationalizing his life and ministry so that they don't have to believe it. And then later, after AD 100, there was a Roman named uh, Tacitus. And he wrote also a history, and he explains the existence of Christians. And in his work, he's not a Christian and he despises Christians, yet he also acknowledges the exis existence of one called Christ, whom Christians followed. So we have early sources from unbelievers corroborating the existence of Jesus Christ is found in the Bible. Now these examples are put forward and we could use many more examples of these events and outside sources and biblical evidence corresponding to those sources. But I hope that this is a nutshell and just a few examples that will help you to understand that we should trust the Bible. The Bible is not make-believe. It's not for little kids and storybooks. It is historical fact and it must be believed 
because it's inspired and it contains the gospel. And if we don't believe that these are historical and real events, there is no salvation. We have to believe in the literal death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for our sins to have eternal life. 